Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. Uh, this is a really exciting topic. It's been something I've had a lot of chiropractors ask me about, and that is the membership model for their actual practice. And I know when people hear about that, they're, the first thing that they're concerned about is the dual fee schedule aspect of that. And so I really wanted to bring someone on to dive into it. I got a lot more out of it than I was even expecting. Uh, I brought on Miles Bodzin, and you know we we dive into all things membership and cash, but then we talk a lot about uh, the psychology of the patient, some of the friction points, and you'll you'll take a lot out of this that may not even relate to having a membership in your practice, but it's definitely something that I'm investigating. And he does a great job of laying out how you could strategically do this, even if you uh, accept auto accident patients or you're in network with that one insurance and you're concerned about the dual fee schedule. You know, we talk about what you can do time of service discount wise that the OIG allows. Like we, we dive into a lot of things that will answer a lot of your questions, but then probably, um, you know, cause you to have more questions. And, and he's just a great resource uh, for that. And so we got a lot out of it. This episode is a little bit longer than I usually do because I didn't want to stop it because we were diving into great things. And, you know, we, we talk about even certain things about uh, treatment planning and, and you, know, you can take some of it how you want to. I, we, we had a great back and forth on different ideas. And o- overall, I want you to just start investigating the idea of memberships and how uh, you know, the there's the impact of it for the patient positively and, you know, obviously for your practice potentially. It's become such a common way of businesses running and he dives into that, which I really like to hear that information as well. Uh, but you can do it. There are certain things you'll need to to add or look into to make it happen, but it doesn't seem that complicated at all. And, and we just had a great conversation around it. And I think um, I came away from this conversation a lot clearer on the um, actual probability of being able to do a membership model and even my practice. So I'll be diving into it deeper. And I hope this interview with Mile Bodzin uh, creates that for you as well. So here we go. A little bit longer. Great information. Stick with us to the end. I know you won't regret it. Before we get to the episode, I want to tell you about my friend and colleague, Dr. Holly Tucker of ChiroNumbers.com. Have you been in practice a few years now and you're wondering when your business will start to reward you financially? Are you so overwhelmed with the day-to-day business management that it is hard to see your success? Or are you trying to expand your team and worried about the impact to the bottom line? Dr. Holly is a certified profit-first professional and a chiropractor herself who has managed multiple practices over the past 10 years and consults specifically on implementing the cash flow system of Profit First for chiropractors. Simplify the way you look at stats, metrics, and your own compensation through this methodology by working with someone with unique experience in your business model. Visit bit.ly bit.ly slash numbers to get your guide and video training. Download the first two chapters of Profit First and subscribe to her weekly five-minute Friday series 
on profitability. Start to feel less overwhelmed, avoid burnout, and clean up your finances so you can focus on patient care. Again, that's bit.ly slash Cairo numbers for access to Dr. Holly's resources. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right. Welcome to the show, Miles. I really appreciate your time today. I'm excited to to dive into this topic. You know, I reached out to you because it's something that a lot of people are asking about and we'll, we'll get to it in a second. But before we do, uh, tell us about yourself personally and professionally, and then we'll go from there. Hey, Kevin, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, this question comes up often when we're being interviewed about, tell, you know, talking about yourself. I'm, I'm not a big fan of about speaking to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel a little awkward about it, but I appreciate you asking. Um, personally, I'm married. I've been in San Diego, California for a long ass time since the uh, mid 80s and practiced for about 20 years here in San Diego. Uh, got two great kids. Uh, they're grown up now. And actually, we're coming up next week. We're coming up on my wife and I's 31st wedding anniversary. So from a personal standpoint, life's been great. We've been very blessed. We're very uh, joyful for the things we have. Um, not to say we haven't had our challenges in life. And um you know, the, the, I mentioned at the very beginning here, I'm not a big fan of speaking about myself. So one way I've done to avoid spe- having to answer that question is we actually did a movie a number of years ago called The Calling. Because um, when the question came up, I said, I get my easy answer is go watch the movie, The Calling movie. Mm-hmm. And it tells the story of who we are and a little background. It's a fun chiropractic movie. Um, and all kidding aside, I, I encourage chiropractors and, and, and those interested in chiropractic to seriously go watch the movie, The Calling Movie. You can stream it at thecallingmovie.com just to throw a little plug out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a story of becoming a chiropractor, what it is to be called to serve as a chiropractor and, and some of the successes and some of the challenges we all face and go through. And I think even the topic we're going to talk about today mm-hmm. is very well illustrated in that movie. Some of the personal challenges we went through in overcoming um crappy insurance let's just say it that way um from the from from the time i was in practice so i encourage you to watch it that that, that's my best way of answering that question is go go take a few minutes and watch it i think you'll find it entertaining i also think you'll find it very inspiring that's what that's what we're often told yeah that's perfect so then how tell us a little bit about the transition from practice to now you're the founder and ceo of, of cash practice software and uh, tell us a little bit about about what you're doing there and how long you've been at it and uh, sure. I'd love to just dive into that for a minute so you know like a lot of great stories you know this whole notion of having a, a successful software company it wasn't the intention i didn't go up, wake up when they say i'm going to be an entrepreneur and build out this software company i created software in my own practice just a little background i have a background in engineering prior to chiropractic um, so when i was in chiropractic practice I ran into a lot of challenges, like a lot of your listeners. We all run into challenges and we want solutions for it. And this is back in the late 90s, early 2000s when, you know, I know today you go online, you find a million software programs for every problem out in the sun. You just Google it and you find things. But back then there wasn't anything. And so I had to start creating things on my own um, or I wanted to, I should say. And I created some software programs to help me be more efficient in doing care plans and doing things that I knew were, Mm -hmm. that were giving me success in practice. I just wanted to streamline them. And that turned into other doctors wanting to use it, like a lot of great products, you know, people like, hey, what are you doing? I want to do that too. And it kind of organically grew from something like that, where we went from myself using it to doctors taking me out to lunch and them wanting to use it. And before we knew it, we had hundreds of doctors using it. And now we have thousands of doctors using it. And it's turned into this platform now where we literally have thousands of practices that are following the systems that we teach, utilizing the software to imply those systems. And, um, you know, they're having tremendous success in, in practice as a result of it. 
And it's one thing to be out there and I love coaches. I love working with them, but it's one thing to be out there and coach and teach this stuff. It's another thing to give people the actual tools to roll up your sleeves, use the tool, and it gives you the actual systems to do. It's it's one thing to talk about a system. It's another thing to actually have a system. Yeah. Um, that's it's not funny. to... That's not to downplay anything. I'm, just, I'm That's not my intention there. Just want to say, I think it's one of the things that separates us is we're giving you an actual system that if you apply it and just do the things that the system teaches you to do, you'll have success. And I can share stories about that success if, if you're interested in that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of people talk about systems and they're always kind of harping on that, but then they don't actually implement any systems or, or they think they are, or they don't even really know what a system is. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, it's always fascinating to, to do that. And, you know, I, and honestly, I've been getting a lot of people reaching out to me, like I mentioned uh, about the ideas of certain things. And, and, and one of the big topics is, and I want to roll into that, uh, is the membership model. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's got a lot of hair on it, right? Like depending on a lot of factors and stuff like that, but uh, a lot of people are starting to ask about that recurring revenue model. Cause I, you know, obviously there's that everything's on a recurring revenue model now or membership. And so chiropractors are starting to look at that. Are you getting that question as well from chiropractors? Oh, sure. We've been getting that forever. I mean, the recurring subscription model, basically as you're, you know, we, give it whatever name you want. Yep. It's been around forever. Everything from magazine subscriptions to gym memberships, obviously that model's been around forever. And today we know it's, it is the go-to model. I mean, as I understand, you could buy cars now where you have to pay a subscription fee to get heated seats, as an example, like yep. it's getting into everything because quite frankly, it's the most profitable, stable business model you could have. I mean, it's one thing to be collecting 40,000 a month, but that 40,000 a month is depending on you getting new people showing up and it's new business all the time. And if you don't get new business, your collections go down versus another business who's consistently collecting 40,000 a month on subscription. And you're going to collect that whether you have another new patient, show, new patient show up or not. It's vastly different lifestyle, vastly different levels of stress, vastly different valuation of the business and the company. You know, you hear these extraordinary values of these software companies or these companies basically that are subscription based. Those values are directly tied to the fact that they're subscription and their, and their rate of growth. And in a chiropractic practice, absolutely the same thing. You could, you could value two practices. One that like I said is both equally collecting the same dollars, but if one is all prepay based or one-time payment based or new patient based, and the other is all subscription based, that subscription base or that membership base or however you want to term it, it's, it's, it's worth two or three times the value of the other practice just from a, from a financing standpoint. In fact, we've had doctors who have been able to get great financing for additional clinics and stuff because of their portfolio they have with their existing practices being subscription or recurring pay, payment based hmm. simply because there's more security in that. And it's, it is the model. I don't want to say it's, it's the model of the present. It's not just the model of the future. The question though is in a healthcare world, like we are in chiropractic, there's compliance, there's rules you have to follow. There's things you know that you have to set it up properly to do it correctly, but it is doable. The challenge is, is most chiropractors are not very um, business. I don't want to use the word, I don't want to throw anybody, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Let's just say mm-hmm. that, but, the, but, but generally it's not the strength of most chiropractors is the business side of things. And I know your audience that you're, that you're speaking to is probably the, the minority where they are strong business. And that's not to speak down. That's not the intention here. It's just, we're all healthcare providers and we know healthcare providers as a general rule are, are mm-hmm. not paying attention to that stuff as much. So yeah. generally we want to 
we want to make sure we're giving advice and, and recommendations. You're doing things compliantly and properly versus mm -hmm. just, oh, let me just make up what I want to do and it should be fine type of thing. Yeah. And we'll touch on that a little bit. You know, my audience, a lot of them do have uh, gyms inside or attached to their chiropractic clinic. It's sure. a model. A lot of them have followed in the group training within that they have put under the, that membership model or subscription model and, and they've done well with that. And obviously we've seen plenty of group gyms and trainings right. do that. The orange theories of the world. I mean, that's, uh, you know, very common. And then on the other hand, we obviously see the joint, which we know is uh, got a strong membership model uh, and, and they are pure cash. So they don't run into some of the other nuances of it. So you see those on the other end. And now I got these uh, chiropractors that are mainly my audience where they kind of get it from the gym side. They kind of get what the joint's doing, but now they have their practice and they have a hard time fitting that or even where to start yep. on, on to do that. And so what are some of the, you know, from a 30,000 foot overview, some of the concerns that you need to start thinking about is like, okay, compliance, like you said, what are some of those that, that are sticking out to you? Yeah, I'll, I'll hit on kind of like, the, like you said, the big, the kind of the big ones that you, you need to be aware of. Uh, I'll throw a few of them out there. Number one is, um, we hear this whole thing, you know, what are your cash fees versus your insurance fees? Let's just throw it out there right now. There's no legal compliant way of having a cash fee. So let's just throw that out there right now that mm -hmm. moving forward, you should eliminate from your practice this whole notion of cash fees. It's just, mm -hmm. it's not a legal practice. Yep. Now you're going to say immediately, well, I hear people doing it. Well, just because people are speeding doesn't make it legal, right? So just, I want to throw it out there. When it comes to your fees, when it comes to compliance, there's really kind of two maybe three areas you got to focus on. One of them is when it comes to your fee schedules, you literally have one fee schedule for all patients. You don't have different fee schedules. You don't have a Medicare fee schedule. You don't have a work comp fee schedule. You don't have a PI fee schedule. You don't have a, a blue shield blue. You don't have a cash fee schedule. You have literally one fee schedule for everybody. And I know you're all scratching your head right now going, well, what do you mean? If, if I work with blue shield, they only pay me 30 bucks a visit. You know, that's my fee schedule. The reality is, is that's not your fee schedule. That's what you've agreed to accept as reimbursement. That's very different than a fee schedule. What I mean is, is that if you're charging a fee for a service, a 98941 or whatever it may be, the fee is the same for everybody. What you agree to accept in reimbursement may be different than what your fee is. And there's only, there's only four ways to legally accept a lower reimbursement or a different reimbursement. So when it comes to the compliance side of things, what I'm, what I'm kind of, giving the broad stroke view of it here is, is that when it comes to you getting, oh, I want my cash patients to pay a lesser fee than my PA patients, as an example, mm -hmm. there's compliant ways you have to do that. In essence, when it comes to you discounting your services, which is a common practice in a subscription model, is you're going to provide some kind of discount. There's legal ways and not legal ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, so when someone sets this up, they got to make sure that the way they're doing their discounts are done properly. Now I can, I don't know how detailed you want me to get into mm -hmm. that material, but there are some details in regards to how do you do that? that. So to clarify, when it comes to compliance, there's the way you discount. That's one area that gets doctors in trouble is how mm -hmm. are you providing your discounts and what are those discounts, et cetera. Yep. Another area is a common misconception in the membership model is, well, my patients pay a monthly fee and they come as much as they want or as little as they want or that type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a, another way of thinking of that as, you know, it's, it's not fixed. Yep. They come in once this month, twice next month. It's, you know, that type of thing. That's another practice you cannot do. Mm -hmm. You must have fixed services for what your fee is. So if you're charging them 200 bucks a month, 
maybe that's for two adjustments and two massages. And that's what they get every month. They get a set number of services. It's defined. It's not ambiguous. Um, and what if they don't? Area. What if they don't use it that month? Does it have to kind of carry over? Uh, or yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to answer for the audience, the answer yeah. is you cannot keep money for services you never rendered. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. So let's say, for example, you're having someone pay you X number of dollars per month to come in once a week for adjustments. Theoretically, about four times a month. Um, What we recommend doctors do is about every four to six months, your staff will review how has that patient been coming in? Have they missed visits? And maybe they've missed four visits over the last six months. Mm -hmm. But theoretically, you've collected a month's worth of payments they haven't reused yet. So we always teach our doctors, all right, have a conversation with that patient. Say, hey, hey, John, hey, Kevin, we noticed you missed about four visits over the last six months. Would you like us to skip a month's payment or would you like us to leave those four extra visits on the books for you in case you need extra visits in the future? What would you like us to do? And Kevin says, well, just leave them on the books. All right, we'll document that. We'll make note of that. We have a record. Or they say, no, go ahead and skip a month's payment. And then if someone's paying a monthly payment, you just skip one month's payment so that you're back to even. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is, is that you don't go on forever just collecting the money on these people, not auditing your records. Whether you do it once every four months or six months, you do some kind of audit to make sure you're not getting way ahead or way behind for these for these people. I think that's a great point because, you know, in the gym model, you don't really want to call them. You don't want them coming in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and as healthcare providers, we're, if we were, we are obligated that we can't keep money for service we didn't render. That's different than being a gym. That's what makes us it's one of the obligations we have as, as healthcare providers. Absolutely. So you got to have a little bit of a tracking system with doing that. Now, um, you mentioned, you know, obviously there's agreements and that's why you see with Blue Cross Blue Shield, you might get paid X amount versus Aetna. And that's an agreement you made with them for reimbursement. And that's where there's even other uh, ways. Like if you had an on-site, uh, I had a, uh, a guest before where they were on-site clinic at a corporation that was like 40 minutes away. They signed a different agreement with them with their patients seen on site at that location. There's no overhead there. So they are able to do a different type of fee schedule based on that. It's an agreement of what you're allowed to accept type of deal. So there's a lot of nuances with that. Now let's take the chiropractic practice that is billing. Let's say they're at a network with insurances and they're billing at a network, but they want to run a membership model. Could you theoretically do that uh, with having insurance at a network and also a membership model in the same practice. Yeah, absolutely you can. Um, Really what it comes down to, it's not whether you're in network or out of network or whether you're taking insurance or not taking insurance. It's that you're charging the same fee for all your patients, all of them, meaning even your membership people, they're not, let me back it up for a second. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the case you have. Let's go to the uh, the building one. When you think of Legos, you have individual building blocks and then you build a building. Let's get to yep. the, the one Lego of cash of chiropractic, yep. our adjustment. Let's just call mm-hmm. it that. That's the one building yep. block. We're doing adjustments and our fee is, I'll make up a number here for, you know, not recommending the fee, but just a, a, yep. an, an example. Let's call it 50 bucks. Yep. That $50 is what you charge the insurance company, even if they only reimburse you 30. It's mm-hmm. also what you charge your membership member. They're paying you once, a, they're coming in, let's say four times a month for it's $200 value. Okay. It's 50 bucks a visit. Nothing, no problem with that. They're paying the same fee. You're building up the same fee. Now the question is, is now from the blue shield company or the insurance company, you're only getting reimbursed 35 bucks because you Mm -hmm. signed an agreement that that's what you're willing to take. Mm -hmm. And for the membership patient, you're saying, well, what am I getting paid them? Am I get, you know, Mm -hmm. am I able to discount it? The answer is you could, 
all day long, provide a discount as long as you follow some rules. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of rules you follow. Well, one main one. And the main rule is, is that you can provide a prompt pay discount to that membership member on their services mm -hmm. up to about 15%. Yep. And that cap is from the OIG. That's where that comes from, the Office yep. of the US OIG. For this, this is a, in America. I don't know if you have listeners outside of America. But I do, America, I do, yeah. Okay. But they so can extrapolate. <laughs> yeah, so it's 15%. Let's just say that. So if you're going to provide a discount on that 200 bucks, you could provide a basically 15%, which is about 30 bucks off. So mm -hmm. you could have that patient paying 170 bucks a month and they get the four adjustments as an example. Perfect. If you want to do a discount larger than 15%, you can, but then you have to use an outside program, like a, what's called a DMPO, a discount medical plan organization. And yeah. we work with a whole bunch of them. One of them out there is a, a common one. The biggest one chiropractic is a company called Cairo Health USA. Yep. But you can use them as an example. And when you do that, that allows you now to do larger discounts. Perfect. Going back specifically to your question though, about the insurance patients, as an example, let's say you do have someone who's insurance, who's also in a membership. Mm -hmm. Let's just use that as an example. You have a mixture. Maybe they're coming in every month, four times. I'm just going to make this up. You're going to do uh, four adjustments and four therapies. And let's say the adjustments are covered by insurance mm -hmm. and the therapies are not. And so they're paying a monthly fee. That monthly fee is just going to be based upon, all right, what is the patient portion for each of those insured visits? So maybe it's 20 bucks, you know, 20 bucks. So you add up the 20 bucks and then you're going to add up their portion of the therapy. And in that case, specifically in this case, the therapy that's not covered, you could apply the prompt pay discount to, yep. but the adjustments that are covered by insurance, you cannot discount. Yep. So a general rule is, if it's a covered service, you can't discount it. Mm -hmm. If it's non-covered, and when I say discount, discount the patient portion of it. Yep. If it's not covered, then you can apply the discount. Yep. And I don't know if that's coming across making sense to the listeners right now. Sometimes you got to kind of see a screen and- you Yeah, know, yeah, no, no, it makes on. sense. They may hear it as time of service discount, but essentially right. if it's not covered, you know, if you're not getting reimbursed by that insurance uh, for that particular thing, you can apply a time of service discount Correct. Uh, to it, uh, which I completely get. And I think my audience un understands that. So that's great. That's perfect. Now let, let's kind of go another direction where uh, a lot of our listeners, they do have modalities and let's say they are, you know, they're, tr they're doing three or four things. They're doing manipulation, some soft tissue and rehab, whatever. And they're doing those three things. And, and if they were billing insurance, that might be $135 total right. that, and then, and they get paid $56 from the insurance. How would you do that with all those modalities under that? Cause obviously now you're talking about $135 a visit. You can give a 15% discount on it. So it's a little bit less. Uh, it gets, a, it probably gets a little bit tricky. Is that where you could use like a Cairo health USA where that membership like, okay, now, Oh, you want to go through our membership plan? Great. You just have to pay this little fee, sign this, and now you could kind of work it that way. Is that correct? The answer, the answer is if you want that discount to be more than 15%, mm -hmm. then yes, you would. That's exactly what we would do. And often what we often teach our clients is if you're going to use a program like that, you can go ahead and actually create a capped fee as well, where you say, no matter what I do on that visit, the most you're going to pay is 75 bucks as an example. Yeah. That works really well in that environment where you're doing lots of things. It gives you the benefit of being able to fully bill it out to insurance. Even, you know, maybe your PI case, you're making 200 bucks a visit doing all that stuff. 
but your private pay patient is going to get those same services. And because they're part of the DMPO, they're going to get a cap fee of 75 bucks for that, for those services. Perfect. So yeah, that's a great strategy for doing that. Okay, and it has good. nothing to do with whether you're, by the way, this has nothing to do whether you're collecting this on a monthly subscription mm-hmm. or whether they're paying one visit at a time or they're prepaying the way you collect the money or the strategy you collect the money is completely independent of the way you get reimbursed the way you not charge, but the way you get reimbursed, meaning, or the value of the reimbursement. They're completely independent things. No, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I think there's a lot of Kyber's out there that are, like you said, PI is one, or they're in network with one insurance cause it pays well, but the rest of them stink right. or, or whatever. So in that scenario, um, if you're going to offer a member, cause obviously when you offer membership, it seems like most likely, especially if you're doing a bunch of modalities and you're wanting to build auto for four or five things, most likely your discount on a membership is going to be more than 15%. Correct. Right? So once you're in that area, what you're saying is that, um, is it, did you say DMPO? Yeah. Discount medical plan organization. Yep. DMPO is exactly what that is. So and in essence, they work uh, just like an insurance company, except they're not insurance. They're light, they're regulated like insurance companies where you become a contracted provider, just like you could be contracted with an insurance company. And as a contracted provider, you can follow that contract. Uh, you know, you might say, I'm giving these people a 25% discount or 30% yep. discount based on that contract. That's great. So that DMPO is really going to be that thing that you need to allow yourself to do it and be in compliance. Cause I think a lot of my audience they do fall into that category, right? Like mm-hmm. they have some patients where they like, I need to bill out, you know, a good amount because it's going to pay it. And, and that's what they need, right? Like you get an auto accident yep. patient, like they need, they need a, a lot more care a lot of times. And so, and you, and you typically in Florida, especially where I'm at, you get paid well. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with getting paid well. I mean, there's, yeah, you should apologize if you're supposed to get 250, 300 bucks a visit. Yeah. Listen, I, I I'm sure you've all been to the MD or the, or the dentist and you walk mm-hmm. out with a $500 bill for one visit. I mean, so the reality is, is that you shouldn't apologize for getting paid well for our services. Absolutely. You should. Uh, but we also have to realize that when people, people are privately paying out of their own pocket, and especially if they're subscribing to something, the business model is generally people expect some kind of discount. It's sort of like when you buy business cards, you expect them to be cheaper per card the more you buy. Like that's yeah. the same, that's just business, right? So in our practice, having that model. Now, granted, you could build out a program of six months of care and provide all these discounts and then still ask patients to prepay. I mean, theoretically, that's one idea. Like you say, it came to $4,000 in services with the discounts, it's 3,000 bucks and you could prepay it. And a lot of doctors are caught up in that model. I don't know if in your audience that's the case, but there's a, that's, that's been taught in our profession for decades, get prepays. And yeah. what we've observed now after almost two decades of doing this, um, and prepays are okay, but they are not great. Um, generally, doctors who are doing lots of prepays all suffer from the same problem when I interview them. And that is they all suffer from terrible resign rates. Yeah. At the end of the prepay, most people don't continue with really kind of any regular. They may show up once in a while, but they're not on a regular program. Yeah. Um, the practices that do the subscription, whether the monthly auto debit on a, uh, you know, from day one, you know, you're six months of care, Kevin, and you're paying us mm-hmm. 400 bucks a month for the next six months. And then at the end of six months, you're going to go to wellness care and it's going to drop down to 175 a month. Mm-hmm. That practice model across the board, we see the greatest success. In fact, I was going to say, I'll share a story or I can show you some stats as well. In general, when doctors follow this model, if they're following not just the business model of the recurring payments, there's some other components to this, mm-hmm. but if they follow all these systems that we teach 
and not just teach it, but give them the tools to do it. Actually, like that's a difference here. It's one thing to mm -hmm. teach it, it's another to give you the tool. We now have the history now of almost two decades of data showing on average, our members will grow about 24% a year, every year. That makes sense. So that's, they've been under practice 12 years, yeah. year 12, they still grow another 20, 24% in year 12, not just the first couple of years. And our data shows it in practice after practice after practice. We have offices that started off doing 100,000 a month or 100,000 a year, I'm saying, and a decade later, they're doing 2 million a year, just following the model, just following the model. Because and as any business, as you add subscriptions and you're not losing others, you just mm -hmm. keep growing and growing and growing and growing. That's just the nature of it. And part of me interviewing is, is for selfish reasons too. Because definitely looking into it for my practice, I still own, a, I don't practice now, uh, but I own and operate our practice. And so I wanted to touch on something you said, and, and I, there's like this psychological thing, I think you talked about like patients that buy packages and they don't re-up. I feel like, and I've seen is there's like that psychological issue of like, you know, loading up a lot more money out, out front again. And so what ends up happening, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is like, they may even really like that chiropractor and like that service. They don't want to make that big commitment again. So they just fall off completely. And so they don't come back in like you think they would. And sometimes even if you offered a pay as you go option, you know, like just pay, they don't realize that because they were sold like that three or 4,000 plan. And so they just almost assume that every time my thing's up, I got to dump out another three or 4,000 and they lose that. Is that correct? Kevin, you're you're 100 correct. There's a lot of psychology, a tremendous amount. In fact, you bring up the word psychology. I'll just share with you. When I was struggling in practice, and I finally started seeing success and made some changes in my practice, there was a period of time where I turned my practice into a laboratory, where I set up a video camera, and uh, patients would ask me, "Hey, what's the camera for?" And I'd say, "Well, it's funny you should ask. I would love to interview you. Can I interview? Just like you're interviewing me right now." And I would start asking them questions, and I would ask them things like. Hey, Mary, you've been here for two years. You're on 200 visits now. Why are you still coming in? I'm really curious what drives you to be here. And I interviewed dozens and dozens of patients on what their behavior, on really their behaviors of what drove them to be there. Mm -hmm. And what blew me away was, I'm sure you've experienced this. I'm sure you've had patients who got the big idea of chiropractic. Like they understand chiropractic's for health. It's more than just neck pain. You know, I'm sure you've had those patients. And meanwhile, a year later, they're not coming in anymore. And I'm sure you've also had patients who've been with you for years who still don't understand what chiropractic is, but they're, they're still showing up. And I was always like, well, I was taught as a chiropractor in school. And when I first got out that I needed to educate my patients, if they just understood what I did, they understood chiropractic, they would follow me to the ends of the earth. They would do what I do. In fact, there's a saying in our profession, right? If you do what I, if you knew what I knew, you would do what I do, right? I mean, we've all heard that saying preach from the stage. And I came to realize I had lots of patients who knew what I knew and weren't doing what I do. Mm -hmm. And I had plenty of people who didn't know what I know and yet we're doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it got me curious as an engineer. It got me really curious what's going on here. So I started interviewing people and trying to figure this out. And what I came to the conclusion was, was there was four key elements to driving the behavior of our patients. It really distilled down to four things. And it wasn't, Hey, Miles, you're a great chiropractor. <laughs> it wasn't, I love your adjustments. It wasn't any of that stuff. It came down to four things. And I'll, and I'll circle back to your question of the end of that transition in just a moment here, because it kind of ties into this. These four elements they distilled it down to is one is we've already kind of talked about this whole notion of being on a care plan. Mm -hmm. What I discovered was, and when I say discovered, it's not like others hadn't thought of this stuff, but in my own surveying, I came to these four things. Number one was 
patients loved knowing what they were signing up for. They mm -hmm. loved having forecasted. They loved knowing the future. They knew they loved knowing what their payments were. They loved knowing what their commitments were, that they liked that. They hated not knowing the future. Mm -hmm. okay. Number two, they loved the fact that we automated payments, that we were on the subscription model, that it was all automated. They came back and said, I love the fact that it's automated. I don't have to think about it. It's, you know, I come in, I get adjusted. I don't have to think about it. Number, so we call that frictionless payments. We refer yep. to it as making it really frictionless. The third thing we identified was patients needed feedback clinically. They needed to know how they were doing. That if doctors failed, in fact, I'm sure doctors listening right now have had this happen. You've had patients who've come to you from other chiropractors. And if you ask them, why are you coming to me? Why are you not going back to the other doctor? You might've heard thing, them say things like, well, I just don't know how I was doing over there. Or I just felt like they wanted me to keep coming back. Those kind of negative sentiments. That comes from the prior doctor's complete failure to communicate progress the patient was making, especially once they were feeling better. So patients really needed feedback to perform. And we see that in all things, not just in chiropractic, but people do better when they get feedback. And the fourth thing, which is the one we kind of think of already as patient education, is they needed frequent contact. Mm -hmm. They needed to hear from us from a marketing perspective on a regular basis. So we now refer to these as the four Fs. People, it's an easy way to remember it, the four Fs. They need forecasting of care, they need frictionless payments, they need feedback, and they need frequent contact. Those four things are the principles or the systems you need to do in practice that leads to longevity, mm -hmm. leads to them becoming loyal to you as a practice member. All right, docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors. And you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel MCM. That is bit.ly bit.ly propel MCM modern chiropractic marketing, right? And so check out that link. And we're going to have you go over five SEO secrets to owning the first page of Google uh, without buying ads. And Darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. Hey doc, are you moving office spaces or you're a startup with your own new space or you're like me where you need renovations because it's starting to look a little worn after about 10 years like ours is? Um, Crossfield's chiropractic office design is here to elevate you wherever you're at and they're going to help maximize your space and flow. They're going to really help attract and retain patients and this is going to have a great ROI on your investment when you increase that patient experience. So check out chiropractic office designs by Crossfields. And we have a special link for modern chiropractic marketing listeners. And that is www.chiropracticofficedesign.com slash Kevin dash Christie. And with that, you're going to have discounts. We're going to have direct links to a mega bundle of free resources, and you can check them out and you can get 15 of our most popular floor plans, five phase checklist for a startup office, five point designer checklist to evaluate your current office image and there's 30% off on all online products when you go to 
www.chiropracticofficedesign.com slash Kevin dash Christie. Going back to what you were saying about the prepay, here's what happens. Here's the psychology that's happening to circle all the way back to that. So Kevin, you were under care and you prepaid me six months ago and I have to deliver now the good news. Hey, Kevin, great news. You're ready for wellness care. You've done really great. Your x-rays improved, your wellness scores improved, your EMGs, you know, all these improvements and the new program, I'm going to have you come in once a week and it's X dollars or X whatever. And you have a decision to make right now. Do you want to do it or not? And that's the problem is you have a decision. That's really what gets in the way is the patient has a decision to make and most are feeling better. Most don't want to spend more money and most say, well, let me think about it. Let me see. Let me test the waters without coming into you. Like they do those things, whether they tell you or not, that's what's going on psychologically versus Kevin, if you had been paying me for the last six months, let's say 450 a month, let's just make up a number. Hey, Kevin, great news. You're ready for wellness care. Your x-rays have improved. You've been educated this whole time around teaching you about these things. And it's time to go down to once a week. Hey, by the way, the great news is your 450 payment. Stop at the front desk. It's going down to 175. Stop at the front desk. Holly will sign you. And you smile, right? You're smiling at me right now. And I, cause I can yeah. see on camera, right? Yeah. Yeah. Patients do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what happens is I've removed you having to make a decision. I've literally, uh, the analogy I'll use is if you are driving on the freeway and think of that as your treatment plan, every time there's a decision to make, that's an exit to your freeway. So what I've made a point to doing in practice is eliminate decisions, eliminate the opportunities patients have to make a decision. And I often will teach offices, go have a staff meeting with your team and identify in your practice, all the places patients have to make a decision. Identify them, like get on a whiteboard, like, we tell them they have relief care, then corrective care, the wellness care. Are you finding that there's a decision they have to make at the end of relief to go to correction? Is there a point in time you're making them make a decision or even at the beginning? Well, that's probably a bad thing to do. Like everything you do that creates a decision for the patient generally is an opportunity for them to leave the practice. So you want to identify these and see what you can do to neutralize them. And Quite frankly, that's what we as cash practice have done. We've gone through the exercise of saying, here's the common places patients have to make a decision. What is the decision they're being asked to make and how can we neutralize that? And by applying systems, we've done that. We've literally figured it out and we've identified them and removed those decisions. The end of care of a prepay is a big decision for most people. By putting them on a subscription to begin with or a monthly payment to begin with, and delivering the good clinical news and the good financial news that their payment's going down at the transition, you've pretty much eliminated that decision and you'll skyrocket the number of people going on to wellness care. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I mean, I'm glad I asked that question because that was a phenomenal answer. So uh, I think that really resonates with a lot of people. And so we've covered a lot of information around it. We obviously have tackled, okay, you know, if you're a pure cash practice already and your fees are right, you could probably roll right into it. If you're trying to build PI or other insurances, there's that other option as far as getting like a Cairo Health USA or whoever involved into that. Uh, but then obviously now there's the, the, the cause you got to track this type of stuff and you got to have a, like you said, a system to do it. Otherwise it can be uh, a spreadsheet from hell that no one can keep up with. So uh, what, what do you and in, in, in your system, what does it tackle to make this a reality and where it's almost like uh, you know, you could have turnover at the front desk and it doesn't, you know, like, I think that's where everybody's always fearful of implementing new things that 
what if my front desk person leaves, right? Because that happens all the time. So tell us a little bit about what you're able to solve and to be able to implement this membership model, no matter who you are as a chiropractor. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I'll start off with saying, if you're seeing routine staff turnover, mm -hmm. uh, if you are seeing that, uh, it's because one of the major reasons they're not happy at the front desk. And if they're not happy, you want to do things to make them happier. And I'll tell you, when we're out in public, you know, at a chiropractic event or something, and the doctors, our clients come up to us, the doctors are always happy. Thank you, know, shake our hands. Good to see you. And I, you know, they're very core, you know, everybody's happy. The staff hug us and kiss us. They love our systems because it makes their life easier in the practice. Mm -hmm. So I just want to throw that out there that doctors who use our system, generally we're not seeing this high turnover. But with that being said, uh, what does it do? Well, I mentioned these four Fs. Mm -hmm. Basically, we have systems that accomplish and help you accomplish. It helps you apply the four Fs. So we have a system for forecasting care called our care plan calculator. It's mm -hmm. a compliant program that helps you build out your actual care plans. These are tried and true tested programs that calculate everything correctly, has the proper legal terms for you. It builds out the actual contract for patients to purchase your services. Mm -hmm. It's been literally used on probably over a million patients already. It's phenomenal. Now, that program will help you build out the actual subscription. That's what it does. It helps you put in your fees, put in your services, what can be discounted, what can't be discounted, calculates everything for you. It builds out the payment options. Um, it does everything for you. So that's the care plan calculator, number one. Number two, frictionless payments. So what is that? That's your auto debits. That's your payment processing. But it's not just your recurring payments, it's literally making all payment processing frictionless. So Kevin, you wanna, you're not on an auto debit. You wanna come in and pay me one visit at a time. Well, how, I wanna make that frictionless. I wanna make it so that you don't have to stop at the desk and pay every time that it's automated, even if it's not a recurring payment. Uh, I wanna make it that if your credit card expires, it'll automatically update for you without us having to ask you. Uh, if your payment declines, I want it to automatically notify you to update your billing and pay that payment. I want it to do everything automatically. I want to collect payments online for a, you know, a, a, an appointment um, uh, deposit, as an example. I want to make it super easy. That's our auto debit system. You name it when it comes to payment processing. Its job is it's designed for chiropractors and healthcare practitioners to really uh, make it frictionless for payments, for patients, I should say. Mm -hmm. I will also mention when it comes to payments, the question everybody always asks, and I know your listeners are asking right now is, what about fees and rates and all that stuff? Let me just throw it out there right now. We beat probably 99% of what's out there. So if you're out there with another you know, provider that's in chiropractic or another outside provider, I'm, I can't say I guarantee it, but probably 99% of the time that we get your rates, we're able to uh, significantly beat what you currently have. So I'll just, let me just put that out there real quick. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of- That's the merchant that processing fees you're, you're mentioning? Yeah, the merchant processing fees, exactly. Because mm -hmm. every payment processing, you, you can't get away from those fees no matter what. No. I will say there's this kind of, I think a scam, I wouldn't call it a scam, but there's this, this thing being promoted to chiropractors right now about pay 60 bucks a month and get all the processing you want with no extra cost. What you don't realize is those costs are being passed on to your patient. Yeah. So that's a business model where you're actually having your patients pay your processing fees. Mm -hmm. I don't know of any successful business that finds that a successful business model. It may save you a few bucks, but you're probably damaging your reputation on the back end by having your patients being charged your fees for, for credit card processing. Just not, there's a lot that goes on in the industry. I just kind of throw that out there. Mm -hmm. The third system we have is a system called the wellness score, which is for feedback. In essence, it's a way for me to give my patients a report card on how they're doing. Report cards are great on giving feedback. Are you an A, a B, a C? 
and it's super customizable. You put in whatever it is you measure and it calculates a grade for them and it lets you go ahead, you know, report back to the patient your, their progress. And then the fourth F, F I mentioned was uh, frequent contact. Um, we know there's lots of things chiropractors do for patient education, everything from having TVs in your office to you know, brochures and all that kind of stuff. Our system is an email marketing platform. If you think of a MailChimp or an Infusionsoft or something like that, it's basically that type of program, except it comes pre-built with a library of chiropractic content. So if you want to or, you know, get something out of the box that already comes with content in it, that's our drip ed system. It already, it already has it in there. And when you apply these four Fs, one thing I, I haven't mentioned yet is what we teach is a process of creating loyal patients. Mm -hmm. So we've developed, what's, and I mentioned earlier what I was saying before about answering the prepay question about um, the patients going through this process of, of becoming loyal to the practice or, or becoming reten you know, high retention. We mm -hmm. refer to that as the loyal patient journey. There's literally a journey we put people through that turns them into loyal patients. Mm -hmm. Let me throw out a URL for everybody. If you go to loyalpatientjourney.com, loyalpatientjourney.com, it's a free resource. You can go look at this. It's an interactive page where it outlines the 11 steps of the journey. Mm -hmm. It also, I mentioned earlier about the decisions patients have to make where they drop out of care. Mm -hmm. We call those the danger zones. Mm -hmm. You'll see on that journey, big symbols that look like a danger, <laughs> click yeah. on it and it'll outline, this is the reason people drop out at that point. Here's what you could do to avoid that danger. Mm -hmm. Think of it like a game, like shoots and ladders or something. You kind of yeah. go through the game board. And um, so in essence, our systems to summarize cash practice systems does four things. Mm -hmm. It gives you the care plan calculator for forecasting care, the auto debit system for frictionless payments, the wellness score for feedback and the drip education system for frequent contact. And doctors can pick and choose what they want to use. They don't have to use it all if they don't want to. Yeah. Uh, most practices use two or three, if not all four of the systems mm -hmm. um, in combination. I liked your conversation about loyalty and, and loyal patients. You know, I, I have a mastermind I put together and it's mostly sports chiropractors. And, and, and a lot of us have kind of tended to acute care, sports injuries, get them in, get them out type of thing. And But we had this whole conversation in our mastermind. Uh, and there's some really good docs in there that a, a lot of sports chiropractors look up to. And, and we talked about, um, you know, performance care. We use that word maybe instead of wellness, which, you know, sometimes it's just nuances. But when you're talking about, like, say, with the athletic person or whatever, and we, we talked about strategies of, like, how do we get our patients who come in with some kind of sports injury, get better, but then still come in for, for performance care? And everybody in there, to themselves gets care at their own practice. But for some reason, like they released their patient after, you know, eight or 10 visits, got, got them better because uh, of pain. But this performance model could really be something that these types of chiropractors really need to look into. And then you could obviously track that with, with your software. And so sometimes it's semantics with language, but we were having that conversation because we, all of us in that room talk to a lot of other chiropractors and there's just this, they're, they're selling themselves and their patients short. And so we had a lot of conversation around that. So I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that kind of loyalty of, of patients and you're removing those barriers. Cause there's a lot of patients out there for these chiropractors that they want to come back in there, but you, there was too many highway uh, exits to get off of there and, and they did, or, or sometimes it's even hard to get on their schedule. I've got chiropractors like, um, booked up for two weeks. And so they've gotten frustrated. It's like, well, uh, you know, I'm not gonna be able to get an appointment in the next few days. So they find someone else. Uh, so there's a lot of different psychological barriers 
that I'm seeing. And, and I feel like you address a lot of that. So I appreciate it. You're welcome. You know, and you bring up a couple things here. You could have the best game plan in the world, play soccer. But if you show up to a baseball game, it doesn't matter what you know about soccer if you're showing up to baseball. And what I'm getting at is, is that you could have all this stuff in for the loyal patient journey and cash practice and use these systems. But if your mindset is I need to get them out of pain in eight visits, doesn't matter. You're probably, you're showing up to baseball when the game is soccer. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not a good thing to do. I'm just saying, don't expect to get people out of, you know, in and out of the clinic at eight visits and then expect them to become a lifetime member. Yeah. There are certain kind of things that kind of we've see common in these practices that build high loyalty patient practices. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to, if you want to take a few minutes and dive into that or not. If, I don't know if our time is. A, oh no, we're good. Yeah. This all right. Is well, let, let me dive into this because yeah. you bring up something that you know, like you mentioned the convenience of they can't come in like yeah. for two weeks. When I interviewed those patients, going back to earlier, I was talking about interviewing patients and we actually started listening to the words. They literally listened to like, what are the words they're using and answering questions? Mm-hmm. And we started counting certain words. The word convenience was the most common word used. Yeah. That inconveniences were the number one roadblock to retention. Mm-hmm. So if you're seeing two week notice, you know, two weeks to get in, that's going to kill a practice. Yeah. If you're waiting 20 minutes, every time you walk in the, the clinic to see a, the doctor, that's going to kill it. Yeah. If it's your out, you know, anything to do with inconveniences will destroy retention. So that's just baseball versus soccer. Okay. Mm-hmm. If your mindset is, so let me change gears. Now. If your mindset is, let me get them out of pain in two weeks and then release them and then, you know, come back more. That's baseball versus soccer. That's not going to turn into a retention practice. If you want retention, what we've seen, and I'm not, I'm not saying you should tell a patient they need six months of care if they truly don't. If they don't, they don't. I'm not saying you should. But what we've observed is that if someone's seeing a practice, a doctor less than about six months, mm-hmm. the odds of them becoming a long-term loyal patient drop. Yep. That if initially they're only in for a month or two, the odds of them becoming a regular loyal patient, mm-hmm. not great. Five months, four or five months, six months, you're really starting to improve the opportunity for that person to become a loyal practice. And I want to touch on it. And that's what I was kind of saying in, in this room we were at, because again, a lot of some of my audience, they would hear that and be like, oh, it doesn't make sense to me. But really it, it does because, you know, a lot of times these same chiropractors, they're very function based. Like they're always trying to get people to return to function, but then they use pain as their guidance of like, discharging them from, from care is like, Oh, you're better. It's like, Oh, well, did you actually improve the function? And are they now resilient within having that function? And it doesn't mean you have to see that person three times a week for the six months, but is there a, like, let's say you're, you're ending them from acute care. That's where we were talking about having that conversation about performance care and what that is. If this is a marathon runner, the frequency might be a little bit more. If it's someone that sits at a desk, could be a little bit less. You'll you use your clinical judgment to, to do that. But the idea of, of six months, it, it doesn't have to be crazy. Is, no. you know, and, and I think no, that's not at all. I think you, I think you brought up the elephant in the room. What, what I mean by that is, is that you said they're functional, but they're releasing them on symptoms and a conversation I'll often have with doctors is one I'll bring up right now. And that is doctors, do you know what your product is? Here's what I mean by that. Kevin, I think you know the answer. I'm going to guess you know the answer to this. We know orthodontists sell a product. And the product they sell is smiles, right? It's not braces. It's not treatment plans. They sell straight teeth. Mm -hmm. That is their product. Mm -hmm. 
that when you go there, that's what you're expecting. When you sign up and say, here's my money, here's my next three years of my life coming in here, I expect at the end of three years and all this money I'm giving you that me or my kid are gonna have straight teeth. That's the exchange. That is the agreement. And my question is, doctors listening right now, when patients commit to some time and give you money, what is the agreement? What, do they, what should they expect to have at the end of that? Mm-hmm. And if in your mind, it's just pain relief, then, yeah. then that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, and it's functional improvement, let, let me use another example. Let's say it's cer- restoring cervical curves. Let's just use that as a, it's an easy thing to think of. Let's just pretend that's what the, the end goal is. Mm-hmm. That my product in my practice is that when patients commit to care, I'm going to deliver to them a cervical curve versus an alordotic spine. That's my product. Mm-hmm. So I know that's how I can judge whether they're ready for wellness. Now, whether you agree with that or not is not the point here. You may have it where it's not cervical curve restoration. It's I'm able to restore cervical mobility or motion or function. If that's your product, well, then that's what you need to deliver before you're ready to go into performance care. Going back to the orthodontist analogy, four different patients go to the orthodontist. Patient one comes in because they literally have pain in their jaw, which I know is not common, but let's just pretend they have pain in their jaw because their teeth are so crowded. That's their motivation for going in, pain. The second person shows up and has no pain. They're showing up because they have tooth decay. Why do they have tooth decay? Because their teeth are so crowded They can't floss properly and it's leading to tooth decay. So they're getting to the cause and going to the orthodontist to get straight teeth so they can properly floss to care for their teeth. Third person shows up the orthodontist, doesn't have pain, doesn't have decay, but they have jacked up teeth and they never smile. And they always, you know, they're always looking angry because they never smile and because they're angry all the time or look angry, they never get a job. So they're going to the orthodontist to get straight teeth so they can improve their self-esteem. Patient four shows up to the orthodontist, has none of those things. In fact, they're a gorgeous person. They're a model, but they're showing up because one of their teeth is a little crooked and that crooked tooth always seems to get them, interfere with them getting jobs. Mm -hmm. So they're coming into the orthodontist to get their teeth straightened for better job performance. So here we have four patients. One is for pain relief. One is for tooth decay, preventing degeneration. Another one's coming in for self-esteem issues. Another's coming in for job performance. Mm four different reasons. And what do they all get? The same thing. They all get a treatment plan to get straight teeth. Mm -hmm. And I share that as chiropractors, when I talk to them, most are not clear on what they deliver. Most of us um, are still kind of fuzzy on what we do. Oh, I sell treatment plans. I sell adjustments. I, you know, I do wellness and wellness is not a product. That's it's not wellness is a benefit of the product. I couldn't agree more. And, um, we could probably do a whole other episode on, on that topic as well. Yeah, um, That's why I asked if you wanted to go into it or not, but doctors listening right now, do the exercise, ask yourself, what do you, what, what do you expect to have delivered for your patient? Because that becomes your marker on when they're, when they are ready for performance care. Yeah. And I think the answer would be for a lot of the chiropractors listening would be, you know, let's call it return to function, but also resiliency, in that and be able to do the things they want and not get hurt again in four months. Correct. But for, and then a lot of times what attracts the patient to come in is pain. Like that's just common. Like they're they're in some kind of pain and they come in. And so that's where you talked about, like with some of the 
education components of it is, is having those conversations and making them realize, okay, yeah, like we're going to get you out of pain. Then we're going to return some function, but now we got to do some things maybe a little more consistently to actually keep it that way. And, and I think those are, that's a lot of times the product, at least in my mind, from some of the chiropractors I talk to. And I think that's the thing they're not actually doing. Uh, yeah. You know, when you, when you phrase it the way you just phrased it, which is very common in our profession, it sets the patient up with certain expectations. There's this relief phase and then there's this corrective phase. And I'll share with you, one of the things we teach is don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't tell the patient there's this relief. And then, you know, I know we're running long on time. So I'll say this one, because I'm, I'm, I love sharing this stuff and I, mm -hmm. and I know doctors will benefit from it. Let's pretend, Kevin, you were my patient at a report of findings, and I just got done going through your findings, and um, I now want to go through a treatment plan of what I'm going to do to help you. And traditionally, what most chiropractors do is say, well, Kevin, we're going to get you started at three days a week or two days a week. We're going to really go after this and get you feeling better. And within a couple of weeks, you should start feeling better, and then we'll reevaluate you and we'll change things and you know, you'll progress on. You know, They do this kind of three, two, one, or yeah. start at the beginning, work ahead. What I recommend is do the opposite. Don't do that at all. Actually, literally start at the end and work backwards. Okay. Hey, Kevin, the good news is in six months from now or four months from now, you're going to be great. You're going to be doing really well. I won't need to see you very much. And you'll reach these goals that I outlined, This the end goal. You're going to have restored function and resiliency. You're going to have all those things at that point in time. So that's great news. And prior to that, though, to get there, there's some work we have to do. There is some work we have to do at the beginning um, where I'll need to see you more frequently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to see you twice a week for these first you know, for the, for this period of time to get you these results. But Kevin, what I really want you to focus on is I need to know you're making progress. I'm going to be giving you feedback on a regular basis. In fact, every few weeks, I'm going to reevaluate you and retest all the things we did to see you were making progress towards restoring your function. And I'll let you know how you're progressing. Mm -hmm. And as long as you reach the goals that I know you should be reaching, then the plan I'm telling you today is exactly what we'll stick with. Mm -hmm. But Kevin, as I'm giving you that feedback, if we find that you're not making progress the way I anticipate, We'll make changes, even if I have to refer you somewhere else. But Kevin, when you came in yesterday and I was evaluating you, you were expressing how it's hurting and you're, you know, you're, you're not doing so great feeling wise. And I kind of got the impression you'd like to feel better as quick as possible. Am I correct in that? Kevin goes, yeah, I'd love to feel better quick. Well, then here's what I would suggest. I don't need to see you more than twice a week, but if you really want to feel better quicker, what I recommend is we go above and beyond what's required to get your results. And I'll see you three days a week if you'd like me to, and that'll help you feel better faster. Again, I, you don't have to do that, but if you really want to, I'll be happy to do that for you. And I'm kind of paraphrasing what I'm doing here, mm -hmm. but in essence, mm -hmm. what I'm doing is I'm not making pain relief part of the treatment plan. Yep. I'm making the treatment plan about getting results mm -hmm. and that I'm offering the patient. If you want to feel better faster, I will see you more at the beginning. That's psychological, going back to psychology, what I'm yeah. doing now is I'm delivering what they need in order to get my product. Mm -hmm. But I empathize with the fact that you're hurting. Mm -hmm. and because I do, I'm going to then free up some time in my schedule. I'm going to see you some extra visits. That'll help you feel better quicker. Me as a doctor, I don't care whether you feel better fast or not. That's not my job. Mm -hmm. My job is not to make you feel better. My job is to get you function back. Mm -hmm. But if you want to feel better faster, I'll go ahead and see you more. So that's a, that's a conversation we'll have it going through a treatment plan, which is vastly different than what generally is done by most chiropractors. And it sets the tone right from the beginning. This isn't about pain relief. This is about getting your end result. So 
and I know we're going long here, so I'll pause, oh, I'll, I'll stop with that. That was perfect. No, this is good. Like the communication is huge, and and it, and it ties into the whole thing. So, uh, but I do appreciate uh, the the extra time you gave us. Um, and if someone has any questions, which I know they will, and they want to reach out to to you or your team, how can they find you? So I'll give you a couple of resources. First of all, my direct email address. If you just want to email me, I'm happy to respond is dr like doctor then my last name bodzin b-o-d-z-i-n at cashpractice.com so that's my email address um if you just want to reach out to our team and get some questions answered just go to cashpractice.com and when you're on that page of course you can peruse around and look at things but you'll see on the very top there's a button that says book a call i believe is what it says you can book a time for a you know a, a quick conversation with one of our team members they'll be happy to answer your questions they're not there to sell you anything per se they'll answer your questions of course they'll likely offer you the opportunity to get a demo if you want to learn more about cash practice and you're welcome to get a demo of our systems and, and learn more about it um generally we find that probably 80 percent of doctors who see a demo of us end up using us because it's kind of a no-brainer once you see it and then i'll just mention those last two resources so i already mentioned uh, cashpractice.com I'll just mention again, loyalpatientjourney.com. That's the page you can go to to learn more about this loyal patient journey. And at the very beginning, I mentioned our movie. Uh, you can go to the well, um, the call, the callingmovie.com, and you could stream the movie and, and, and see a little bit of a backstory about all this stuff if, if you're interested in and seeing a, an inspiring movie about becoming a chiropractor. Perfect. Thank you. I truly appreciate your time today. And I know this won't be the last time we speak. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate it. And you guys have a great one. That is it for this week's episode. But before you leave, check us out at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com for all kinds of free resources such as blogs and the podcast episodes. We've got online courses. You can check out the Chiropractic Success Academy there, which is an amazing online coaching system for you at a very affordable monthly rate. Uh, there's a free online course on the modernchiropracticmarketing.com website, so check that out. If you're interested in some one-on-one -on -one coaching, we can do that as well. We have all kinds of resources for you there, and we would also truly appreciate if you could rate and review this podcast if you're getting valuable information out of it. I can't thank you enough, and we'll see you next week.